0: Welcome to the NDA Podcast. My name is Justin Pierce, and I'm the editor. Today's podcast is one in our series called NDA Meets, where we sit down and chat to some of the most influential, fascinating, and innovative leaders across our industry. And this is a new sub-series of NDA Meets called Programmatic Stars. We're going to be talking to heads of programmatic, programmatic directors, anyone at a brand with the responsibility for the use of programmatic technologies. And today, I couldn't be more delighted to be joined for our first episode by Sharmine lalani fade at pharmaceutical giant Bayer. shamin is category lead for online media and data and also has a large procurement role. And what follows is a fascinating insight into how heads of programmatic at, at global brands such as Bayer manage the competing forces and factors that enable them to deliver programmatic advertising across the business. So, mean hi, and welcome to the MDA Podcast.
1: Hello, and thank you for having me.
0: So, we're going to be digging in today into programmatic advertising. Uh, it's ups, it's downs, you know, it's, it's future, <laughs> it's past. But before we do, let's hear a bit about you. Do you want to tell us <laughs> exactly who you are, where you work, and maybe a bit about what you did before your current role?
1: So, I... I am the a global category lead for online media and data uh, at Bayer, Bayer Healthcare, and uh, I'm based in Basel. And I I'm involved in in housing of the tech stack deals with Amazon, you know, Google, et cetera. So it's really can be quite techy. It can be quite procurement-y. <laughs> I'm I'm the procurement person, but I have to really understand all the technical aspects so that I know what I'm buying, right? So that's my space. And I've been in procurement for over 20 years and in, in media for about three and a half years, four years, and absolutely loving it. It's a, a very fast evolving area that I, I really enjoy kind of, uh, building up my my knowledge.
0: Kind of fascinating. We'll talk a bit about procurement, especially I guess within the programmatic ecosystem, because uh, yeah, so it's, it, it's such a cluttered value chain. So let's talk about that in a bit. But first of all, just to, to open up, I mean, what do you think of the is generally the biggest opportunity for programmatic advertising as a whole over the next year?
1: For me, I think the promotion of diversity and inclusion within the media uh, ecosystem. This is, I think, one of the biggest opportunities that will force advertisers to compete uh, for diverse owned media inventory and talent. I think we will see messaging addressing decades of of unhelpful stereotypes uh, and the lack of uh, communication progressiveness. We at Bayer are, are definitely going in that direction. This will will present an opportunity for advertisers like Bayer and others to to take a step back and continuously reflect on the image that they want to portray to the outside world. As long as they leave enough time to achieve it before the competition does, I think everyone's in good stead. But honestly, um, I've seen an explosion on the inclusive advertising front, you know, buttressed by by DEI efforts, uh, supported by boards of management across the globe. Uh, generally, progress in the DEI space is, is slow, but but definitely going in the right direction, I would say. What
0: do you think of the biggest challenges there? As you say, progress is slow, but the right direction. And I guess we see this across the whole industry, this move uh, to pre-DEI. What are the biggest challenges, especially for you know, global advertisers the size of Bayer?
1: Forging alliances to address the environmental challenges uh, that face all advertisers. I mean, they're now... They're now being tackled. We're looking at a client council with WPP to measure and push forward sustainability, to look at the CO2 footprints of formats uh, in in programmatic, trying to get industry alignment. And I think the the challenge here is is definitely CO2 um, emissions and how we get them under control, not so much offsetting, but really reducing. And advertisers have an opportunity to really shine in this place and in this space. And I think that the more that they really align for the greater good, the better. Uh, but that will be a challenge, right? Aligning always is.
0: <laughs> yeah, of course. But uh, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. I'm talking recently to people like Scope 3 and companies like that. this. There's so much great work going on. And it's hysteria, I was interviewing someone not so long ago uh, who was pointing out that the internet industry as a whole has a bigger carbon footprint than the the airline industry, which kind of shocked me. And obviously, public advertising is one subset of that. So it's something I think a lot of people, although it's rising in its sort of, I, I guess, importance and discussion, it's something that's quite quite shocking, the fact that other than advertising, actually can be as damaging to the environment as something like the airline industry. So right. we, I love the way you say about advertisers have to take a, they take a stand in alliances. I mean, what would you like to see over the next one, two years happen in this regard?
1: I'd like to see an alignment across the industry on the CO2 emissions uh, of of formats, agreements on how we move forward rather than competition. I I think this is one place, and one space that we can really build alliances. And I think I'd love to see that moving forward. I'd love to see alliances in pushing the agenda on DEI and programmatic, the number of women uh, in programmatic all the way through to the space that we, we buy place our acts.
0: Fantastic. Okay, let's see a bit more uh, when it comes to you. So mm-hmm. what would you say has been your proudest achievement in, in programmatic? I know that's a broad term, of programmatic, but in the city, what are you most proud of? I
1: think I'd have to say uh, the in-housing of the Google Tech Stack. I was I was told by a very senior leader who ex-Google, actually, that the turnaround of the uh, commercial documentation was the fastest he'd ever seen. Wow. So um, I guess I'm, I'm really proud of that. And that's why I'm mentioning it now. I think if anyone has been involved in in-housing, any part of the programmatic tech stack, uh, they would know that billing is also an area that can cause delays and setbacks. This has been an uphill struggle, I would say. And thanks to the fantastic regional procurement teams that that support uh, the global category leads like me. I mean, we've we've managed to to, to put this in place quite smoothly. But I I know it sounds really cheesy, but yeah, the invoicing and and in-housing of the tech stack. Yeah,
0: Tell me a bit more about billing, because again, this is an area... I was talking to someone I think, at the ozone project recently about this and how much of an issue this is something I again I had no idea so why is billing such an issue what what are the sticking points and how, how you overcome
1: I think with billing organizations have their their set up uh, they've had that set up for many many years you have the you know the the, the typical um, the, the Purchase requis- requisition, the purchase order. Uh, there's a number, a unique number, and that number has to match the invoice that's coming in. And and quite frankly, the, the the platforms today don't work like that. We have to change our our processes and get compliance validation for the changes that are being made in order to be built directly and have the transparency that we're looking for. And so things like not having. So having a, a, P, a PO number placed in in a platform rather than through a PR that we can't even send to an agency, a, a platform, because they, they wouldn't know what to do with it. Um, we have to redesign our processes internally to, to fit that process um, and, and find uh, uh, some synergy between the two organisations where we can work together. I think the other challenge is every platform has their own way of working. I think that... One of the key learnings that I've had in this space is the need to be flexible and to design a process that fits your organization and the platform's organization where you can work together. And trust me, each one will be different and you should be willing to have a slightly different process for each one of them and to be able to educate your internal stakeholders and and, the rest and, the, and compliance and the billing and all of those actors within an organization about how, how you work with that particular platform.
0: Okay, it's fascinating. What about you? You mentioned at the start of uh, our chat humans that's your space. Uh, so, what particular, I mean, again, everybody kind of listen to this, you know, would love to work there, I imagine, if they're on the ad tech side or the energy side. So, what are the particular, what's interesting going on with humans when it comes to, to programmatic and the vast ecosystem of players that want to work with all like me?
1: Well, I would say would be transparency. We've, we've in-house a tech stack uh, to obtain a, a number of benefits, and, and one of them uh, includes transparency. So transparency in the supply path uh, optimization. Um, and I know that the ANA and ISBA have been doing a lot of work on this topic since, I think, 2014. And I think we still have some way to go in terms of increasing transparency. I think the latest in research indicated that 49% of ad spend was unattributable. And I think this is where we, we we need to really
0: focus. Do you think the issue of transparency, as you say, has dogged the industry for years and years? Yes. Do you think it's something that we'll see finally dealt with this year, next year, in the next five years? Is Is it solvable?
1: I'm a bit of an optimist, so I think, yes, it has to be. Um, We we have no choice. I think we're going to see more and more uh, inventory moving over to programmatic. And I think that governments, as well as industry, as well as lobby groups, actors like uh, ISBA and the ANA, uh, advertisers, all need to work together to gain this transparency. I think regulation has a, a big part to play. With the, the Digital Services Act um, or the Digital Markets Market Act, I think it was called, that's soon going to be um, in place, you know, separating the supply and demand side, um, and really making companies accountable for, for transparency. And I think this is where we need to go, absolutely. And do we do we stand a chance if we all work together to, to achieve this? And if governments take on their responsibility of making sure this happens, yes, we can.
0: Excellent, mm, Nice positive news. So, what other what other challenges? are out there in programmatic are you seeing in the in the year ahead for years ahead what what are you faced with and, and yeah and how can we well you talk about transparency but what other are, are the challenges in the programmatic programmatic industry I guess do you see at the moment and how will we overcome them?
1: I think talent probably okay. if I if I'd have to if I'd have to really point out another area, online media and the tech stack um tends to frighten people off. And I think if one spends a little bit of time trying to understand language, it's, it's really not that complicated. Um, and I think there's a lot of, there are a lot of buzzwords and I think that puts a lot of talent off and they think, oh gosh, this is, you know, this is too scary for me. And I think, I think that's another huge area is, is the talent, especially with organizations increasingly wanting transparency and in housing, how do they do that when, when, when there isn't the talent available?
0: I think yeah, talent comes up quite a lot when I talk to, to brands about in-housing in particular. And especially yeah. I mean thinking about the UK where I'm based, you know, it's if you're in London, it's kind of fine. If you're maybe based in, in Newcastle, talent is even more of an issue, you know. So right. in-housing, in, in tell me about your in-housing journey. You know, what because <laughs> it, in-housing was so kind of hot several so years ago, you couldn't move. It was all the energy press talk. about. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of died down a little bit. Uh, but obviously it's still it's now being done very effectively I think you know you and I first met at the Programmatic Pioneers Conference and we had some amazing stories about how in is just being done incredibly well
1: yes so, it, yeah what
0: was your in-housing journey what were the ups and downs and highs and, lows and all that sort of thing
1: so we as a as an organization have in-house or insourced various parts of, of the supply chain right so in, the, in North America, across divisions, as one Bayer, um, we, we've had an amazing achievement where we're, we're in-housing um, programmatic right, in, in North America, and that's across uh, crop science, pharma, and consumer health. And, and I think the highlight of that has been how the teams are coming together and working together, learning from each other, um, sharing best practice, and, 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 and really driving uh, excellence forward. Outside of, of North America, we're in-housing parts of the tech stack. So um, in certain major markets, we're in house kind of the elements of the tech stack, such as the DSP, the ad server, with, uh, with a global a strategic alliance with, uh, with Google. And I think uh, direct publisher agreements um, are slowly becoming the norm. We have, we have a strategic alliance with WPP. And they're our global uh, preferred agency for media, for, for the consumer health division. And we we work with many agencies uh, or platforms through through WPP. But I think part of the challenge there has been really getting transparency in terms, and, and I'm speaking from a procurement perspective, it's really getting the transparency in terms of what are we spending on on DB 360? What are we spending um, on the media itself? What, what are we spending on, on campaign manager? You know, having that all split out, what is data? What is the cost of data? And understanding what our working and non-working media spend is. And that's been the challenge. Um, and I think with the with North, the North America team in housing, they, they've managed to get some amazing talent and uh, really do some amazing things. And I think we're outside of North America. We are we're getting there, right? We're, we're getting there. Whether we'll completely in-house, uh, that that remains an open question. I, I not for now, but we've got some pretty decent strategic alliances that we're really proud of.
0: How does this change the? You mentioned Dolly PP, your preferred preferred group uh, supplier, I guess, and different agencies within that group. But again, back to sort of several years ago, in-house and came in as a thing in the press. And so there's lots of stuff about well, what what's the what's the downside for agencies we both know that's not happened so how does but how does this change as more and more big advertisers in-house look like there how does it change the relationship with advertisers with agencies
1: oh i think we've become um stronger in terms of our partnerships the reason i say that is because the the, the more you in-house and the more direct relationships you have there's a a kind of organic upskilling that happens within an organization procurement all the way through to the to the to the marketeers and the more that they they organically grow in terms of their their digital know-how the better the dialogue is and the more you can do uh, in terms of your online campaigns and I think that it has been, it has been a, a beautiful relationship and a, that, that that's Prospered and evolved, uh, and and one would think, oh, because we're taking away business from, from yeah, WPP, exactly. that would potentially uh, strain the relationship. But it hasn't at all, and and I think we're having a, a higher level of discussion as a result of that.
0: Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Now, let's take a little, little, tiny bit of a break from the discussion. Well, not a break, but uh, I want to focus <laughs> on on sort of your favourite things. Uh, your favourite things. What? So, what's your favourite? at the moment, technology or innovation or what's going on that you really sort of love what really makes you excited?
1: I think it would have to be Web3 okay. and the opportunity it presents to, to put user data and web content into the hands of, 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 of the users rather than kind of a centralized, um, kind of small number of government or corporations. I, I think that's really exciting, if that ever happens. I'm really excited about the innovation boom, really, uh, in this space and, and the democratized, I think that's how you say it, uh, democratization of the, um, of the web, I think. I think there's a lot of opportunity for open source uh, with Web3. And um yeah, I'm just really excited about that space. And also AI, where will that go? There's a lot of Fear around AI, right? But it could do many uh, wonderful things in terms of healthcare and in in, in 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 many areas. Gaming, the metaverse, um, could offer really exciting or very frightening futures, <laughs> depending on how how yeah, exactly. how we how we how we take on our moral responsibility uh, towards mankind. I think.
0: Yeah, good, very good point. So you mentioned the metaverse again. I'm interviewing. Some media directors recently, big brands like Coca Cola and Sahia, and it was weird. I two interviews back to back, and they both mentioned the Metaverse as one of the most exciting areas. And the Metaverse, can be seen as potentially a bit hyped up. It's one of those things in the industry that, but you think it's got a real, real potential for advertisers like they, you? um it Could
1: it could potentially? We'll have to see how it how it moves forward. I think the Metaverse, as in terms of virtual experience and I say this from the perspective of where are we are going? Geopolitical conflict, diverging populations, evolving populations. I think it was the National Geographic said in 2019 that we've got more 65-year-olds than, than, than five-year-olds. And so people are living longer and having fewer children. Um, there's climate change. There are all sorts of challenges that we're presented with. And I think the metaverse can maybe cut through all of that and, and allow us to have opportunities that we've never even thought about.
0: I like that a lot. I haven't thought about that way in terms of yeah, there's population dynamics fascinating. Thank you. So the next question is, um, there's a lot in there, so you can pick how you want. And it is kind of tongue in cheek and kind of not. Is imagine programmatic as a child. How old would it be? What would it need to do before its next birthday, and what would you give it as a present?
1: I think tw- <laughs> I think a twenty one year old. Okay. And I would give it the publication of Jean Baker Miller uh, called uh, "Telling the Truth About Power."
0: Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> I think uh, I'm a bit of a feminist. In my, um, not a bit of a feminist, I am, and I think there's a there's a lot to be, and I've done a lot of reading reading about power and power dynamics and and the relationship between different. Entities and power, right? Government and central government and corporations and so on. So I think, uh, I think a, n- a nice twenty-one-year-old could could, uh, could uh, benefit from a read like that.
0: <laughs> i Absolutely love that. <coughs> I mean, let me just <coughs> excuse me. Let me just ask you well that. I mean, this is um, kind of what's fascinating for us at New Digital Age is often the, the lack of female voices in the industry. And we're doing various things to kind of help counter that, as are so many other organizations. Uh, you know, as I say, you were speaking at Crogmaster Pioneers. Yes. Uh, there is a problem with women's uh, readiness to speak up in public at industry yes. events or even in the industry press. So let's what would be your advice to other women out there? And as a sort of bit of personal experience on my side, I looked at all the opinion pieces submitted to New Digital Age. Yeah, and about eighty five percent were byline to men. Right. I know that the the PR sending these in, the people, the companies there fully believe in diversity and importance of, of you know uh, varied voices. However, it still it still goes on. We all know anyone that runs events the difficulty of getting a balanced, diverse speaker lineup. Women right. often run events more than men. So, what would, you obviously don't? So, what would you say to other women out there listening? What how can they make sure that they you know take their place and speak
1: up courage i would say courage to make your voice heard find a sponsor who will put your put you forward who will have your interest at heart um i've had some amazing sponsors uh in my time that have have, have really stood up for me spoken for me find someone that you really trust who will do that for you who's senior and who who can see your talent get out there and offer to speak offer to share your voice I think that uh, we as women tend to put ourselves on the back burner and wait to be asked and I think my advice would be to say get out there and 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 say you have something to say and have an opinion and most women do um and 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 get it out there right
0: (laughs) thank you so much uh so look, back to back to programmatic in general and that, honestly that's great advice it's something i think that needs to be needs to be listened to by everyone so um uh, back to programmatic in terms of, again th- things you're looking forward to things you're excited about looking ahead programmatic i think you referenced earlier is going across all channels uh yes it's- three, now linear tv digital out at home etc mm-hmm. etc cetera, et cetera. it's not just the online ads <laughs> so what new channels uh, what
1: media are you most excited about? I think um, programmatic, pro- programmatic TV uh, will outstrip global television advertising spend. I think it represents over uh, one third uh, of, of of advertising spend already. I think it's an exciting area. I think restrictions around uh, privacy will have to will have a limited impact on on programmatic TV. which which precisely targets kind of consumer segments as opposed to individuals. So there's this this drive towards um, protecting the consumer, which I'm all for. Um, But I think uh, programmatic TV will have a good good place in that that area. Out of home is all about content, uh, context and location. And I think with with hopefully the lockdown being a thing of the past, we'll see uh, that grow. I think that's an exciting area as well to see the evolution of, of programmatic out of home. Programmatic audio has a long way to go. It's a, it's it's way behind programmatic video and display, but uh I'm excited to see how that that kind of moves forward and um catches up.
0: Amazing. So lastly you mentioned TV, programmatic TV, and obviously one of the advances of TV is that it hasn't got this cookie issue. Uh, yes. and third party cookie, obviously, we've been talking about for years and years and it's delayed again recently. Uh <laughs> so what what's your view on this in as an advertiser bear the third party cookie is going, first party data is rising in So I guess as an advertiser, you're in a quite amazing position in terms of the data you, you hold. So, yeah, what what is your how how worried are you about the cookie going away or is it a good thing? You know, what's your view on it overall?
1: I think <sighs> It's a, it's an area that you have to be you have to tread very carefully in. Um, the, the penalties are huge. Uh, I think Bayer as, organisa- as an organisation truly values their their customer base, and there are many many hoops we have to go through before in terms of consent before we ever use that kind of data. Um, I think as an organisation we we are looking at first, second, and third party data. But yes, we are in an amazing position potentially. But it's all about consent, isn't it? Um, and if the wiser the consumer gets, the 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 less consent they they give. <laughs> wow, and so um, I think that my my view on this space is that, that contextual advertising will will, will grow, okay. um, and I think we need to get better at that. Yeah.
0: Fantastic. Well, Charlene, that's been a brilliant chat, really insightful. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for Oh, your time.
1: thank you for having me. <laughs> And, and maybe see you at the, the next Programmatic Finance Summit.
0: definitely will. You definitely <laughs> will see me there. But thank you so much for your time.
1: And oh, you take care.
0: And thank you so much.